When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, so this is Mikey, the taller half of the Black Millennial Marriage Podcast, and this is the second of my indie episodes. So why are we doing this? Um, again, we've been trying to find ways to bring you all more content that wouldn't burn us out, um, give you more insight to who we are as individuals and be entertaining at the same time. So we came up with indie episodes, indie being short for individual. These episodes are meant to shed more light on who we are outside of our roles as spouses. Uh, marriage consists of two individuals choose to come together. And we like to take these episodes to honor that individuality. So my episodes would be more about me. Randy's will be more about her. From these episodes, you can come to expect three segments. The first is what had happened was, which are many stories, funny stories, uh, personal anecdotes, and overall thoughts about a subject. The second segment is Q&A, which sounds exactly like what it is. We're going to answer any individual questions or feedback that we get. So after you hear this, if there's any questions that you have, please submit them anywhere and I'll make sure that I answer them. And finally, our third segment is going to be I'll Leave You With This, which is just our something special that we do at the end. You know, that final talking point. I am a lot more comfortable now that my first episode is done. I'm really excited about some of the feedback that I got. You guys made me feel a lot better about myself or about having completed it. And I really appreciate it. So before I say um again, let's go ahead and get into it. Mother lover, you gon' love it. Graduated from a rebel to a revolutionary in my area, they love it. I'm a record like I'm revving the engine, heaven's ascension, every dimension, give me attention. Look at my soul, look at my heart, look at my hope. Got the world on my back, but I carry it though. Tell them God got my hand, I ain't letting it go. I, I, I came from the side of the ocean. Swim with the best of them, I can't deny I was chosen. Yeah, it's the Miggity Mac, milk in the mic, I don't think I'm giving it back. Living unlimited, winners, that's a limited fact. I'm master this, ain't no coming after this. Resurrected from the All right. So what had happened was, uh, what had happened was I was raised to care about people. Um, and because of that, I grow attachments to people really quickly, really easily. Sometimes, um, now that I'm an adult and I have like a child and a wife and I am a partner to one person, I don't really do that that much. But, um, what am I trying to say? I care about people. And because of that, I want to help people all the time. It's like a thing. And it can sometimes be like really damaging to my relationship, as you've heard from previous episodes, but whatever. It's who I am. Um, I've since found healthier ways of dealing with that. And part of why I am able to deal with these issues is because I did therapy. So what I want to talk to you all today about is the benefits of therapy, how I feel about it, why it's nothing to fear, and my thoughts on it becoming such a quote unquote popular thing now. 
So I'm really big on words and definitions. So my first thing that I thought of saying was like, what is the definition of therapy? And so I Googled it. Google says a therapy or medical treatment is the attempted remediation of a health problem, usually following a diagnosis. As a rule, each therapy has indications and contradictions. There are many different types of therapy, blah, blah, blah. Not all therapies are effective, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Many therapies can produce unwanted adverse effects. (laughs) This definition is terrible. All right. My definition of therapy now is um, would have to be um, an attempted healing. That's how I define it. Things are hard. Things are hard to deal with. It's hard to face things, especially on your own. And to be honest, a lot of people, when they start to deal with things, um, problems that they have, they don't necessarily handle it in the most healthy way. If you broke your leg today and you had your bones sticking out, you would go to a doctor and they would help heal you. Physical therapy is a physical healing of your body. Someone is helping you build your body back up to get to where you need to be. What do you do when the mind breaks, when you've experienced a trauma, when you've been hurt and you got to figure out how best to handle that? My personal um, response is to would be to talk to someone who is trained in dealing with that. But this wasn't always my approach. So I have always done work with young kids, usually elementary school age, middle age, high school age kids. And the reason for that being is. I am one of those people who believe that like children are the future. It's really corny, but it is true. Um, this world will run day, will one day be run by children, people who are children now. They will inherit whatever we leave for them before I even had my own child. I just remember when I was a kid, I didn't have a lot of saying what was going on, but I had to go through a whole bunch of shit. And I always appreciated the people who cared to look out for me. And I later found out that there were people who did more and people who did even less. When it came to um, like my well-being and the well-being of people who were my age, the problem was, though, I didn't want to teach like I never wanted to be a teacher. I didn't want to be trapped in the classroom with 20 kids um, all day from eight to five. Like to me, that would have been torture, not just for me, but for like the kids. Um, and so I took on a lot of uh, coaching roles, a lot of teacher support roles, a lot of program like after school program roles and things of that nature until I finally started working as an SEL coach. SEL stands for social emotional learning. So that's like uh social emotional learning. Um SEL is basically it's like the process of how do I put this? The process of like developing self-control, self-awareness and like interpersonal skills, like working with each other that essentially will make for like a better school work or like life environment ultimately. It's tying in like it's just bringing depth to learning. So it's not just learning math, but, you know, how that applies and how to do math with other people. And it wasn't necessarily something that was big when I was growing up. But the benefit of it was that I was working with kids and teaching kids how to work together through play. I worked for a nonprofit um, who specialized in basically tying SEL learning into play or recess and it was one of the best jobs that I ever had. I met some really great kids who were from these underserved communities. And this, again, isn't my first job in nonprofit, nor was it my first time being in an underserved quote unquote community because no one likes to say broke black community. But it was my job ultimately to teach um, life skills, leadership skills. And it was it was just it was very fulfilling work to this day. I still keep up with uh, a lot of the kids that I work directly with. 
from that job and a later job that I did, which led me more towards um, actually starting therapy myself. So from that job, I actually went into doing counseling. Um, I worked side by side with a licensed therapist in schools and I worked with kids very tra- like the uh, textbook traumatized youth. Um, that's youth who had been through anything between abuse, abandonment, rape or neglect. And I worked with a therapist. So they'd see a therapist, they'd meet and talk, and then they'd see me and they'd work on life skills. So I had to basically hear them out and work with them, meet them where they are to try to get them to where they want to be. And um, I started seeing how a lot of people who I knew as adults could have benefited from that same thing, from somebody just like talking through something with them and then having some direction as to where they should go. Therapy and counseling and and other things that are like tied in with that are like really popular now. Like people love talking about like, you know, how's your mental health? And like now it's not something that people like whisper about or judge you about for seeing someone. Um, but that wasn't always the case. And because of that, I didn't really seek counseling when I was younger. And it wasn't because I didn't have like the space or support to do it. My mother was actually an advocate for it when we were younger. Um, she didn't know what we were going through. She just knew that it was different from her own upbringing, being from South America, um, moving to the States and just recognizing that it's like a different way of life here. She always wanted us to know that there, there's, there's always somebody that we can talk to. And if we didn't feel like it would be her or it could be her, then she was open to like, you know, letting us see a therapist. And I ultimately would brush it off and be like, nah, I don't think that's necessary. Um, I hadn't been raped. I hadn't been abused in like the traditional sense. Like there are no bruises on me. And as far as neglect goes, you know, mom's got to work. It is what it is. I don't have a father, but like I didn't put that on her. So I just didn't, I didn't see the importance of it back then. And these things all later came back in life when I'm talking to an actual therapist and you start to realize like how impactful that they are. Um, so that basically leads me into the main thing I want to talk about, which is the three benefits of therapy and counseling. This is going to be real quick. So number one, the number one benefit of seeking counseling or a therapist is you have a professional listener. So they are a professional listener versus a biased ear. And what I mean by that is this person is paid, trained, and experienced in the art of hearing someone out. Um, not hearing what you want to tell them, um, but actually analyzing as you share what you want to share. A biased ear being, uh, let's say for instance, you shared something with a friend, um, your friend is automatically protective of you. So they're not going to always give you an unbiased opinion. Some people have those friends who don't mind like telling them where they did wrong or what they could have done or, you know, going from there, but, um, or taking that approach with it. But more often than not, people who love you and care about you when they hear about something you're struggling with, just want to help you out of it. A therapist is more so about helping you help yourself get out of it. And when you talk to your own family and friends, sometimes they take on the weight of what it is that you're dealing with. And speaking for myself, I didn't want to put the weight of my problems on all of my family and friends. I actually had a really, I wouldn't say traumatizing, but I, I had a situation when I was in high school. I was one of those kids in high school who was going through like real world shit that high school kids shouldn't go through, like like death and gang shit and like, just, just like everybody else is trying to like focus on passing classes. And I was not, <laughs> I was not there mentally. 
and I was talking to a friend of mine in the hallway and, um, she and I are still cool to this day, though. I don't think she listens to this podcast, but, uh, we were talking and I was telling her about all this stuff that was happening, why I wasn't having a good day, why I was shut down. And like a normal reason would be like, oh, math is hard. And I just don't understand what we're like learning. It was nothing like that. It was like, yo, one of my family members just had acid thrown on them. Like I'm dealing with like, I'm just in pain from like a whole bunch of other stuff. And I'm taking all that on. Somebody just died. I'm still trying to deal with that. And she looked at me and was like, yeah, this is too much. (laughs) <laughs> she she just straight up said this is too much for a high school student this is too much to be dealing with like i'm sorry about what you're going through but this is too much and she like left like that was like the end of it the thing about a therapist is they can take all that heavy shit and they don't personalize it it just it helps you lighten your load a little bit that you have somebody to balance your thoughts off of and for someone like me who doesn't always like sharing with people that i'm close to that's one way that therapy could benefit you whoever you are listening to this. Second benefit is confronting trauma. So we talked a lot about trauma in our full episodes, um, and we use the word a lot, loosely sometimes, but essentially when you have experienced something life-altering, and sometimes life-altering doesn't mean grand, um, like really big. Um, It can be something small, but small changes to anything can cause big changes like down the line. Confronting trauma is not easy, but it is necessary in order to become a more whole person, a better person. A lot of the kids that I worked with, um, come from neighborhoods again, that are section eight, you know, they're just not the best neighborhoods. They're those neighborhoods that you try to drive through really quickly where everybody on the corner looks sketchy and you feel uncomfortable a little bit. But if you spent time with them, you know, these are regular people. They just are outside because it's hot inside and AC don't work. Um, they're outside because that's where they play. That's where they like to be. They're like, that's just, that's where they congregate. That's like home. Um, a lot of the kids that I work with lives in an apartments that actually, like you could throw a rock from their window to like the state penitentiary, like right across the street from them, you'd see like barbed wires, yard, barbed wire yard. And then this massive like state building. And, um, that can be traumatic. Constantly growing up next to a prison, seeing the place where family members that you know will end up um, watching people who have been arrested and are serving time for whatever reason on a day to day. Like as you play video games with your TV, you can look out your window and see somebody in the yard playing basketball for the one hour that they get outside. Like it's it can be a lot. Um, But confronting trauma is the second benefit because. Ultimately, when you're just out here living life, you are spending a lot of your time avoiding your traumas. You are working instead of working on yourself mentally. You are dealing with bills. You're dealing with your day to day, your commute, your family's issues. You're just out here living, um, sitting down and doing whatever hour, 45 minutes of therapy that you have forces you to take some time to pay attention to the things that you may not be able to pay attention to because you're just out here living life. And more often than not, once you start confronting those traumas, you'll start to discover that it's been having like an effect on your life. And I think that doing the hard work of actually dealing with the shit that's wrong with you makes you a better person. It makes you better for the people around you. And you start to feel lighter once you start letting some of that shit go. The third benefit from therapy and counseling would be for me um, that they give actionable items. So once you have sat down and talked to this professional listener and you have 
had a discussion with them about the thing that you needed to confront. They'll sit down and literally walk with you step by step of some healthy ways to deal with that shit. I was working myself really hard because I have to, because I need to, because we got to eat. But in doing so, I had been neglecting myself a lot. There'd be days where I wouldn't eat and I hadn't told Randy or anybody. I was just kind of just suffering through the day or the only thing that I would have eaten within 24 hours would have probably been like a bag of chips and a vitamin water. I just wasn't taking myself like neglecting myself. These are all things that that you you just can't do. <laughs> but um, sometimes it felt extremely hopeless. Like, I don't really know when I would have time to have a meal and I'm doing all of these things. And, and I would much rather take care of business than like take care of myself. Ultimately, is what it comes down to, which isn't healthy and it doesn't sound right. I know, but it's where I was. And I honestly started getting to a place where I felt like there would never be room for me to take care of myself in that way. And so my therapist actually worked with me over a couple of months to help work out an actual plan and sat me down and told me I need to take care of myself just like I take care of all of those things or else I won't be around for my daughter, my wife to be able to like actually provide anything for them. So I actually sat down, wrote out lists, created plans and now able to like implement things to where I'm actually eating regularly. It may not be grand meals, but it's something I'm not starving every single day. And like those type of things help me. And sometimes uh, when you're just looking for like something to get you out of a certain space, you you may not get it from the people around you. There are things she told me that I never heard from anybody I grew up with or, you know, my own wife, you know, like ideas and plans and things that I could implement. She actually gave us an idea for scheduling for things with the podcast so that that would feel like less of a burden. So those actionable items, those those things that you can take away from it being like and actually like help change your life. I know that one of the things that people used to say about why they thought therapy was like bullshit is because you just sit there, you just talk. And it's not completely true. You sit there, you talk and you can actually come out of it with something that you can do to help change your life, to help change what's going on with you. And those are just three of the reasons why I think therapy and counseling are beneficial. Um why am I telling you all this? So I sat down on my computer and I've actually restarted this episode maybe three times. <laughs> and I've been talking about, I talked about things that I just didn't really necessarily care about or things that I thought that I should talk about just because someone wanted to hear them. But this has been on my mind because I think I may be in mourning. Um, I'm actually missing my therapist. So things have gotten to the point now where I'm back to working really hard and I'm still trying to find those things to, you know, get through my day to day. I'm still doing those things that I had learned to do in therapy. But part of the process of therapy is that you continue therapy because there are, there are always things that you need to work out and you may not go every, you know, twice a week for a year. Uh, it may like start to lighten up, but you should never stop talking about what's going on with you. Um, I'm actually unable to see my therapist because of like insurance shit. And because of that, it's like really sad. And um, I was thinking about how much better I was becoming for the people around me because I was actually talking about what was going on with me. And I couldn't do that to the people who are around me um, constantly droning on or not droning on, but like expressing the things that sadden me around Randy, um, I would notice would make her sadder. And, you know, it's not that she did anything wrong. It's just that, again, she is a biased ear, meaning she cares about me. And I don't want to see 
I don't know. It, it, it's difficult to talk about the things that are bothering you with somebody who you know is going to like take that on. Um, and I'm one of those people. So I understand how that can, you know, how that could be damaging. Randy puts a lot on me as well. I'm her husband. I'm her friend. And that's like a thing that we do. But even she sees the benefit in like counseling. And so she, you know, sometimes there'd be some things she'd be like, well, I'll just, I, maybe I should just talk to my in therapy about that. And I'd be like, that is a good idea. And like, maybe we can come together with some resolution and celebrate. <laughs> You know, once you've worked through that, because sometimes that is more healthy than us bringing each other down with the things that are that we're struggling with eternal internally. So I, I changed my mind about all of the bullshit I was talking about before. And I was like, I just want to talk about therapy because uh, someone had expressed interest a long time ago and asked, like, just from a black man's perspective or my perspective specifically, why I think men should seek therapy. And the number one reason being is because when you think of trauma victims, um, people who have gone through some stuff, those people always need to talk out what they go through or what they go through will end up impacting everything else they do with the rest of their lives. And I cannot name two, two groups that have gone through more or go through more than black men or black women. In my personal opinion, we are all extremely traumatized and we traumatize, we re-traumatize each other daily <laughs> with the shit that we go through because we don't, always work through our things. Again, we go about life. Uh, we push through, we push past, but we don't work out. We don't work on. Uh, we just keep going. And while that is great that we're strong enough to do that, it's also damaging because you can't keep that up forever. Sometimes you got to actually take a look at yourself and work on something that you may be struggling with. But I ain't going to sadden y'all all day. Uh, <laughs> ultimately, I think therapy is great. I think that it's beneficial. I don't think that you need to do it forever, but if you've ever considered the thought that you can't figure out what you're doing right now, if you've ever felt like you can't talk to the people around you all the time, if you felt like you're not perfect, which you know, you should all feel like we're not perfect. Like there's something that you should work on, but you can't quite pinpoint what it is. Therapy, man, somebody to bounce that stuff off of. I promise you it would do more good than harm. Root Insurance puts you in control. Root is a new type of car insurance that uses the sensors in your smartphone to look deeper than other insurers. Here's how it works. Download the Root app, hit the road, and we'll take care of the rest. The app measures your driving behavior, like turning and braking, and gives you a custom rate based primarily on your driving. The better you drive, the better your rate, meaning good drivers could save hundreds. Visit joinroot.com today to get started. Disclaimers may apply. See joinroot.com for details. Segment 2, Q&A. All right, so I got some questions um, off Instagram and some submitted by some Patreon uh, listeners and supporters. And first of all, I just want to shout out Nikki B for saving me. Thank you, Coach Nikki. <laughs> I really appreciate you. So I got like four questions, so I'm just going to jump in. Question one. Question one was from, uh, it's an IG question from Mrs. Alicia B. And she asked, when is part two coming out of So You Want to Code? So we did an episode called So You Want to Code, where I talked about the program that I did and how, you know, now I'm just looking for work. Ultimately, part two is going to come out once I find a job. I want to actually be able to conclude this story in a way that doesn't make me sad. Uh, I have found part time work since completing the program 
and I am still looking for that full time, first time, full time contract. And the moment that I have a story worth telling, because right now it would just be sad. Or maybe it'll be a part three. I don't know. Maybe I should do a part two. Alicia, I'm going to think about that. Um, But part two will be out before the end of this year. I will let you. I can tell you that. Question number two. When did Paul become Mikey? (laughs) So I think that was submitted by a Patreon listener. I don't know exactly who. So uh, I was born Paul Chapman. Um, That is my birth name. And my nickname growing up was Mikey because of my two middle names smashed together. All my family called me Mikey. Friends called me Mikey. People in school who I was not close with or just people in general just called me Paul. Like that's like my professional name. When we decided to do this podcast, I wanted to be more personable. I wanted to kind of put myself out there. And because I consider our listeners, Patreon people, family, I'm like, all right, I'll let y'all niggas call me Mikey. Just don't get too familiar because you don't actually know Mikey. But anyway, yes, Mikey is my family name. And since y'all are family, y'all can call me that. Anybody still calling me Paul don't know me. So that should let you know who you are separated from. Question number three. This was also an Instagram question. Um, this was from Nappy by Nature 1015. And she asked, what are your top five favorite moments with Randy? Now, I love when people ask for like top something because I really had to like think about it. Um, I'm sure if I put more thought into this, my order would change. But this is what I got. So number five was our first apartment. We moved into this one bedroom thousand square foot apartment and I, and that was like a mansion to us at the time and it was it was actually a really great space we brought Groot into this space we got our first furniture we went through our first storms we we went through a lot in this first apartment and some of my favorite moments are when we was just in there just hungry just with each other or we had game nights all of our new year's eve parties where we had friends over uh, we always had a tight space, but it never felt like that when we had people over. We used to just set it up right. And like it was always a good time when it was just like us in our little cave or corner or whatever. And we like brought people in. Um, so moving into our first apartment was number five. Number four um, was the first long distance drive we ever took on my motorcycle. So we were in college and this is when I still had my bike and Randy actually liked my bike as much as me, which is one of the reasons why she is just so attractive to me. Anyway, we were riding from West Georgia to uh, McDonough. So anybody that's like almost Alabama to really South of Georgia. I think it was like an hour, hour 10 ride and it was starting to cool down. It was coming into the fall. Um, I have my I had my vest on, a hoodie underneath. I gave Randy my riding jacket and helmet, and we we just rode, and she just clinged to me for like an hour and a half. It was just really nice. We got off the bike, and she was she just really liked it. And I don't know, it's just one of like my my clearer memories of of when I had my bike. I used to love like those really long rides where I could just like listen to music and just look at the view and just feel wind. Um, and doing that with her was. I don't know. It was a really fun experience. So number three of my top five favorite moments would be our first kiss. Uh, I think we've talked about it in a couple of episodes, but our first kiss was hilarious. Uh, we were in our middle school. We were in high school at the time, but we were at our old middle school because that's where we used to have like after school meetings. The lights were off, but like, you know, the room was like lit. Um, and I 
we were like sitting and talking. It was very obvious that we were supposed to kiss at this point, And I thought we were both on that same page. So when I leaned in to kiss Randy, she was just shaking. She was shaking like a stripper. It was hilarious. Um, and you know, after I kissed her, like when I first laid my lips on her, I had like, Oh, you know, open my eyes. I start backing up and her eyes were wide open. It was the creepiest shit. <laughs> it was so creepy. And I, and you know, we let her talk and she was like, she just didn't know how to like to kiss. This was the first time she had like been kissed, which like also made me sad because I'm a big lip dude and I kiss. I'm West Indian. Like we just, I don't know. We get intimate like that, even if we don't really love you. But. I wanted to like, I wanted to kiss her. I want to show her how to kiss. So like now Randy is like great at kissing, but first kiss, one of our clearest memories. Uh, one of my favorite memories with her. Number two, top five favorite moments with Randy is Drew's birthday. Yes. That's the day of Drew's actual birth. Uh, she was so small and so weirdly colored and her leg was so bent backwards, but she was adorable. And Randy was like throwing up green mess. Her lips were ashy. She was thirsty. She was cut open. She was so tired because she had worked so hard. And I don't think she's ever looked as beautiful other than number one than this day. Like we had gone through so much shit over the last decade. And then just within delivering Drew, we had gone through so much stuff within the last like 30 hours um, and everything leading up to it. It was just a lot. But um, in that moment, it was just it was just beautiful. Like I had my baby. I had brought her over to Randy. Randy said, hi, Drew. And she looked right at her. It was like, it was great. It was, it was just, it was, it was one of those things that I'll never forget. And number one, top moment with Randy, my top five moment is our wedding day and everything surrounding it. Our wedding day was again, another culmination of a whole bunch of moments, but, um, it was great. We had great food apart from the DJ forcing me to dance the flow rider, which I did not sign up for. Nowhere was I prepared for. My wife was beautiful. I ate. We drank. My family had a good time. Her family had a good time. They became our families on this day. It was, it was a beautiful day, man. I look good in my suit. Obama later copied it and tried to do the same tan suit. So I was a trendsetter. You know, there was just a lot going on at the time, but wedding day, number one, top five favorite moments. Cause after that, that night was great. As exhausted as we were, we had a plan. We said, no matter what, we're going to get some on a wedding night. And we was exhausted, but we did it. And then we went to sleep. Good times. Last but not least, a final question. This is from Instagram. Coach Nikki B asked, outside of your family, what makes you happy? And how did you fall in love with motorcycles? Um, that's funny. So I'm going to answer that in that order. Um, outside of my family, I enjoy cars and shoes. Those are my things. Um, two things that I've always loved, but I could never completely afford, which is funny. Um, I think I don't, I don't want to say everybody, but you know, I had that, that one drug dealing cousin who I love. Um, he used to always make sure that my shoes were straight. I'm lying. I had two drug dealing cousins. Um, and, uh, every year before school started in the summer, I'm sorry, at the end of the summer before school started, one of my cousins would make sure every year that I had two pairs of Adidas um, superstars for school. I had a black pair with the gold trim and then I had a white pair with the black and gold trim. Like those. Were, and I always started the school with some fresh shell toes. Like that was my thing. Um, this was before Adidas became cool later in life. I always wanted Jordans, but I just couldn't afford them. But my cousins would like my cousin would give me his old shoes, basically. Um, so and when the winter rolled around, so we come back from Christmas break. I had a new pair of Tim's and a new pair of Jordans. Every time when I came back from New York, it was the greatest thing 
ever. But um, ever since, you know, that kind of like helped me develop my love for shoes. So I'm one of those people who like look at shoe blogs. Um, I have a whole wish list of sneakers that I want to buy Um, if I ever get a chance to or if we ever get some type of brand partnerships, some shoes I'd love to promote. I love Jordans one through 13. Anything after that is not for me. I don't like them shits. Uh, and I love cars. I love motorcycles, which leads into your next question. So I fell in love with motorcycles. I think it was, if I put a year to it, we can call it 96 rough riders. So I actually had a friend who, whose family members was in the rough riders. And this was like my first interaction with somebody in a motorcycle, um, group, uh, bike club. And, he would tell me all these stories about how, you know, it was popping willies and they do all these things. And like, I had never seen it in person until my younger sister's dad pulled up on his bike. It was a gold Honda uh, CBR 1000. And if you don't know what that means, just Google it. Uh, it's just a big motorcycle with a big engine and it goes really fast. He let me, he let us ride on it and he did a wheelie. And this is when we lived in my old uh, apartment complex in Oak Forest in Scottsdale. And, I almost fell off. I almost fell off the back of it because I didn't hold on enough because I thought it was weird that I was holding on to his sweaty back. His back was sweaty. He had just finished riding. But, um, I, I held on and we stayed up and he came back down and like, I just wanted him to do like a million more wheelies. Um, later my mom actually started riding. So my mom taught me how to drive was teaching me how to operate a motorcycle. I later, I've always, I held on to like, you know, just wanting to have one. I always had a motorcycle poster up in my room. And I was like, whenever I get the chance, I'm going to just get a bike. I ended up getting one in college. Greatest time ever. Then I smacked into a truck and almost died. And now I don't have one anymore. But I will get one back one day. I also plan on getting Randy to take a class because I want her to learn because she loved it too. And Drew. Drew learned how to ride bikes. I'm going to have my daughter out here having niggas catching feelings because she wearing her leather suit and she popping wheelies and she faster than them. Life goals. And finally, I will leave you with this. Um, growing up, I come from a household where reggae was played very often. Um, my beloved uncle, whose birthday just passed along with the anniversary of his death, um, which I have still been processing because it does affect me every year when it rolls around. Um, he got me into, he got me to actually love reggae music, old, same beat reggae music. Um, really basic. It's just a dude in a guitar reggae music. And he would play songs that people knew that were very popular as well as some that they didn't. But one of the songs that he played was a lot of Bob Marley. Um, my, my uncle was a very, very spiritual man. Um, he read his Bible every morning. He read it every night. Um, and I remember this from when he used to live with me, he and I used to share a room and I used to always like thumb through his Bible and sometimes I'd like knock out some of his sticky notes and he'd get mad at me, but that's the size point. Um, one of the songs that he played very often was Bob Marley's uh, redemption song. Direct quote from the song is emancipate yourselves from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. Um, it goes on to say a whole bunch of other stuff, but those lines always, always stuck with me. I believe that we are, we are the captains of our ship. We are the masters of our fate. We decide what happens to us within what, what am I trying to say? We, we are able to do what we can with what we can. Um, you have 24 hours in a day. It is on you to make sure you do what you can within that day to make something happen. Um, 
it is on you to take care of yourself. If you feel like you are not in the best space, it is on you to figure out how to get out of it and how to put yourself in a better light. Now, I say this while I am constantly I'm you know, I'm working on this presently um, while trying to fix myself mentally, trying to set us up better financially. I'm also working on myself uh, mentally. I don't know if I said that. The first thing should have been physically, physically, financially and mentally. I'm trying to get everything together. And because of that, I need need to continue to talk about what's on my mind and go through what is what is weighing on me mentally and seeking counseling and therapy and talking with people around me. If you're one of those people who shut down like I have been known to do and did do, um, I challenge you to step out of that and try to share yourself with people. Get out of your head. Go be present in the world. Take care of yourself. So that's the end of my episode. Um, if you have any questions or feedback from this episode or the last, um, and you want to be mentioned, or if you want to be mentioned on the next episode, please email us at blackmillmayor at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 770-750-4098 that could possibly be featured on a future episode. Uh, let me know what you think about this one and be sure to check out our website at www.blackmillennialmarriage.com. Dot com. Follow us on social media platforms. Again, because these are indie episodes, you will get our individual ones. So if you want to follow me, uh, my Instagram is Mikey underscore XXI. That's M-I-K-E-Y underscore XXI. And if you wanted to follow Randy, it is at R-A-N-D-I-I-I-I-E-E-E-E-E. Or just look through the people on my page and go at her. Might make your life easier. On Twitter, we are at underscore the Chapmans. Shout out to, again, all of our supporters on Patreon. We recently got some new patrons in, and I love that people actually care about what we're doing. They have just seen what everyone else hasn't seen yet. So Drew got her ears pierced, um, and they were the first ones to get a look at that and watch my baby get tortured. Um, so if you want to know what's going on with us before everyone else does, if you want to be able to support this content, check us out on Patreon. That's www.patreon.com slash black millennial marriage. As always, y'all be blessed. Don't settle and fight clean. Peace. I'm about to let the fuse. I just need me a cup. I'm a pour me the juice. <laughs> I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice. Uh, I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice. Hello. Root Insurance is all about you and how you drive. In fact, that's the number one factor we use to give you a better price, which puts you in control. Just download the Root app, hit the road, and we'll take care of the rest. The app measures your driving behavior and gives you a custom rate based primarily on your driving. The better you drive, the better your rate. It's car insurance made for you. Visit joinroot.com today to get started. Disclaimers may apply. See joinroot.com for details. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.